Content of Straight Talk Wealth Radio is for educational purposes only. Any discussion on financial products and their features is subject to change without notice. Consult your own tax, legal, or financial advisor as to your specific situation. Tax Free Benefit Specialist and Insurance Services, California License 0E48147. Welcome to Straight Talk Wealth, heard every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. with your experts in all aspects of wealth accumulation, preservation, and income planning guaranteed to last a lifetime. And now, your host of Straight Talk Wealth, Bruce Whitey, on Newstalk 1590 KVTA. By the way, my name is Bruce Guest, Bruce. Oh, be beautiful and strong. Hey, Ventura. Good morning, Ventura. Hey, welcome to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. I'm your host, Bruce Whitey. We are here on KVTA. Every- thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, every Sunday morning at 8 a.m. here in Ventura. Listen, um, today's show, uh, this is one of the most heartfelt, thought through, uh, well, uh, man, there's so, you, you have no idea what I didn't put in today's show because I just couldn't fit it in. I gathered so much research and data, but today we are talking about irrational economics. What are irrational economics? So first of all, uh, it's it's our government and our economy and what we've been seeing lately, and it's the fact that uh, we've got uh, popular votes and people that don't want to offend anybody who can't make any any uh, any moves that will you know anybody lose their advantage. We have a bot Congress. We have a bot Congress. That's the bottom line. And I was really moved today to do this show. From the recent rant that Dylan Radigan from MSNBC had on the internet. Now, I'm going to play that for you in a minute. But today we're going to talk about what is causing this political turmoil. What are the economic foundations that are causing the politics to go crazy? What are these forces at play? Um, we're going to talk about what the natural cycles are, and I want to talk to you a little bit about different schools of the economy because these schools of economy are at war against each other. And it's great, okay, we solved the economic problem in Congress until what, January or February, and then it's all over again. You have a polemic war going on right now between a couple different schools of economics, Keynesian versus Austrian. I want to talk about that. Neither one of these guys, in a sense, really get, when it comes to Democrats and Republicans, what the underlying causes and changes are in economy. Uh, in in our economy that are happening right now. So we had a I had a great conversation this week with economist Harry S. Dent. And we're going to talk with Harry about these natural cycles versus Keynesian economics that tries to offset the natural cycle so no one ever get hurt. We're going to talk about confidence versus demographics. What is it that really pushes an economy forward? Is confidence the thing that is the economic engine of a country, or is it demographics? We're going to talk about triggers and the China bubble, and this is going to blow your mind. Harry Dent finished some research just this month, and I'm going to go over that research with you, and you won't believe where China is going in terms of the next major bubble that is going to cause global economic change that's going to put our real estate bubble to like a pinprick compared to what's coming down the pipe there. And listen, I 
I got to tell you what I couldn't get in the show. I did a whole prep on some clips about the Japan demographic cliff and the shrinking demographics in Japan. We will cover it in another show. I really wanted to get it in today. I prepared the clips, and it just doesn't look like we're going to have time for it. But uh, we'll talk about that in a different one. Really good um, uh piece of material from journeyman pictures that was on the internet that took you inside and show you what it's like to have less and less and less and less children in the population and only older people and to some degree that's happening in the western world and we're going to see those changes continuing to play out and those are the 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 organic factors of what's happening in our economy that the government is trying to overcome but it can't because the organic factors are going to trump the manipulative factors of the government. Hey, listen, Straight Talk Wealth Radio, we are on the Internet at www.straighttalkwealth.com. You can get strategies from us on our website. You can hear about back shows that we've done. Uh, We always have a great giveaway. Uh, I'm going to tell you in a minute what we're giving away today for free. But you should write down the number first, the toll-free number, to take advantage of our free giveaways today is 888 882-5578. 888-882-5578. That also spells 888-8-TALK-STRAIGHT. 888-882-5578. What we are giving away today are two crucial reports that are going to help you understand these organic factors. What we have is we have an economy that is organically trying to implode. There is gravity in it. If the government wasn't printing trillions and trillions of dollars, we would be in a totally different picture than we are today. But the question is, does the underlying gravity go away just by printing money? Because that's what you're now seeing the argument before our government is do we continue to keep increasing when we print money? We only print it by putting ourselves into debt. So are we going to continue to manage our economy by going further into debt to create, you know, I mean, you have a personal stimulus. If if you're broke and you're not paying your bills, if you just go get another credit card, it'll feel very stimulating. It's It's a drug. You get addicted to it just like governments get addicted to it. And at the end of the day, someone must pay the piper. And the question is whether we're willing to suffer death by a thousand cuts or whether we're willing to just get one big cut and get it over with. That's what you're seeing today that's bubbling up in the government. We're going to talk more about it. But the bottom line is those are pressures of inflation and deflation. And on this show before, we have featured, and we're going to give it away again today, when you call 888-882-5578. 888 The first thing we're giving out for free is my report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. And in this report, I break down what is the difference between inflation and deflation. Who are the winners and losers in deflation and inflation? And you're going to understand which way we can go and what are the pressures in each direction because they are both at play right now. What are the triggers that would cause the next crash? 
And, and, and what's best about this report is it gives you a strategy on how to manage both concerns within a single portfolio. Because what most investors are doing wrong is they're making a play on one of these. Or they're just completely oblivious and they just have a diversified pie chart of stocks and mutual funds and it's diversified. And because the government has always fixed everything in the past, I guess they will always fix it in the future. Therefore, whatever happened in the 80s and the 90s will just continue to happen again and everything will grow and we won't have any any more uh bumps in the road oh bullpucky okay you are you have seen a decade of almost no growth and it and and left to its own devices the economy is shrinking left to printing presses it grows and we are addicted to it and there will be more to pay in this decade and you need to be alert to it so call right now uh, you leave your full contact information with the operator so we can get you on our mailing list. We, we're going to be having some events on this in the Ventura area where I'm going to lecture and actually do some great seminars and go much more into depth on all of this. Uh, but for right now, you're going to get the report for free, Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis, How to Plan for It. We are also giving away today Harry Dent's brand-new report called Eight Ways for Businesses to beat the winter season of the economy. We are trying to go into the winter season. We'll talk more about that. And uh, if you're interested, we will provide a special discount to our guests to the Irrational Economic Summit in La Jolla that Harry Dent is hosting. It is three days, November 6th through the 8th. It normally costs $895. I believe our discount price, if you want to go, is $295. The operator will ask you if you want to call back on that, and we'll get you in for a discount if you can go to La Jolla. Hey, so first thing I want to do, I want to go to the Dylan Radigan rant that went across the Internet like crazy, and Dylan Radigan has had enough and just finally spilled his guts. And you know what? He came right out and talked about what's wrong with our politicians, what's wrong with with the way we look at our economy and manage it. And man, he didn't he didn't pull any punches. And he talked about who is responsible for this mess. Um, I want to play this. If you haven't seen it on the internet or heard it on the internet, it's uh, quite uh, thought evoking. This is from the Dylan Radigan show on MSNBC. We owe seventy trillion dollars. But those do to walk out say, a four trillion dollar solution, I, okay, which is basically just a way for the Democrats to avoid dealing with this until twenty seventeen. I'm not here to talk about plans to deal with this till twenty seventeen. I'm saying we've got a real problem, and I'm tired of Republicans and Democrats who either want Republicans who want to burn the place to the ground, and Democrats, with all due respect, who want to offer a plan that gets it through the ne- their end of their second term of their presidency, and then screws me and my kids okay, when it's over. And until we okay. do that, we have to deal with the extraction that is at foot. It is the reason the financial markets are behaving the way they're behaving. That is a mathematical fact. This is not some opinion. This is a mathematical fact. Tens of trillions of dollars are being extracted from the United States of America. Democrats aren't doing it. Republicans are not doing it. An entire integrated system, financial system, trading system, taxing system that was created by both parties over a period of two decades is at work on our entire country right now. And we're sitting here arguing about whether we should do the $4 trillion plan that kicks the can down the road for the president for 2017 or burn the place to the ground, both of which are reckless, irresponsible, and stupid. 
And the fact of the matter is, until we actually, and I don't, and I'm sorry to lose my no, temper, no, and, but no. I tell you what, I've been coming on TV for three years doing this. And the fact of the matter is that the re, there's a refusal on both the Democratic and the Republican side of the aisle to acknowledge the mathematical problem, which is that the United States of America is being extracted. It's being extracted through banking, it's being extracted through trade, and it's being extracted through taxation. And there's not a single politician that has stepped forward, Susan, to deal yeah, with this. You know, folks, there's a thing called the social veneer. It is it is a coating that we all put on that makes relationships go smooth so that we can have harmony even when we disagree. But some things are important enough that it's time that you have to take off the social veneer and you have to yell from a mountaintop to wake people up and get them to understand what is occurring, and that there is a danger afoot. So uh, I'm very proud of Dylan Radigan for doing this. And um, if you want to learn, there's so much, it's so hard to cover all of this in a one-hour show, but we've tapped on a lot of this. I want to talk about the extraction afoot, the tens of trillions of dollars. We're going to talk about that today. But before I give you my take on it, let's get Dylan Radigan's take on where this is coming from. And then I want to talk about what it means to you as a baby boomer who is trying to just survive and get through that great stage of your life with some savings and some investments intact. Because this really, really matters to you. You've got to get it right at this stage of your life. And if you miss the the IEDs in the road... You're going to get hit, and you won't have time to heal. So pay close attention. But let's hear what Dylan has to say about the banks and, and where this is all coming from. And what do you suggest President Obama do about it? What would you like him to do? I, would like, you him, I do. would like him to go to the people of the United States of America and say, people of the United States of America, your Congress is bought. Your Congress is incapable of making legislation on health care, banking, trade, or taxes, because if they do it, they will lose their political funding, and they won't do it. But I'm the President of the United States, and I won't have a country that is run by a bought Congress. So I'm not going to work with a bought Congress. Congress and try to be Mr. Big Guy. I'm working with the bot Congress. I'm going to abandon the bot Congress like Teddy Roosevelt did. And I'm going to go to the people of the United States and I'm going to say, you've got a bot Congress. And until we get rid of the bot Congress, which is Jimmy Williams' constant point, which is get the money out of politics. And until a president says that's the problem and says he's going to fix it, there is no policy that I can possibly see, no matter how brilliant your idea may be, or your idea, or my idea, or her idea, or your idea at home, is... That idea will not happen as long as there is the capacity to basically fire a politician who disagrees with me by taking funding away from him. Is that a fair assessment? Money and politics is the root of all political evil. This is, uh, it is corruption CNBC at its worst. Consultant and until we show. step up and kick that out of the park, it's going to be the same system. All and only the president could do that. But I'll tell that you guys what, in the how bad does it have to get? How much money has to be extracted? Asking, how many things have to be heard? The brass tax. Okay, physically, what do you do? For, you go and give a speech right now. to get yeah, right now. Right now. You, so you say, and what, then what happens tomorrow? Tomorrow, what happens is you begin the process of actually investing in solving the problem. So how? I come out and I say, how? I create an infrastructure bank with 2% blending immediately. There's that. Once I explain to people the problem, once I explain to you you have cancer, the re, once you understand how screwed up your trade tax and banking policies are, believe me, you will have no issue when I incorporate an infrastructure bank that I fund with repatriated offshore money that I bring in and then use to create 2% direct lending to every business in America, because when you realize that the banking system is fully corrupt and defrauding us, 
and I come out and say that, which is what I want my president to do, that then at that exact moment I say, you know what, we got a screwed up situation here, people. You all know it, and now what? I'm going to admit it. And as a result, not only have I admitted it, but we're going to begin the process of solving it like grown-ups. They did it in World War II. They did it after the Civil War. They did it in Latin America with the Brady Bonds. We are not seeing it happen now. The panel stays uh, a, a little more emotional than I anticipated getting. It worked this afternoon, but what am I going to do? All right, so in a minute we're going to uh, cover my uh, interview I did with Harry Dent earlier this week. Uh, Harry Dent, if you don't know him, is a very contrarian economist. Uh, he, uh, in the dark days of the George Bush the first recession, he said the 90s are going to be one of the best decades we've had. And the thing that Harry operates on somewhat uniquely is he looks at demographics and birth rates and, and what happens with populations. And by understanding in the Western world how populations uh, go through consumption. And don't forget, consumption, at least in the Western economies, is about 70% of the driver of the gross domestic product. Consumption is a very important part. And just think about this briefly. Baby boomers will get more into this. If you listen to this show, you know I talk a lot about demographics. I don't care how cheap they make money, how cheap we get free money to borrow. How many of you boomers in your late 50s and early 60s want to go out and borrow a bunch of money to support your consumption anymore. The kids are out of the house, and you've probably got two things that you're thinking about your personal consumption. One, I'm paying off all my credit cards. That takes money out of the economy. And two, I'm saving the rest for retirement. That takes money out of the economy. We just happen to be 80 million people in a 300 million population uh, country. We are a major driving force and always have been. And so uh, what we do is a trend that is organic. Now, this gets down to an argument about whether an economy is driven by those demographic forces. And, and the thing that you're missing, uh, we will get to it in another show, is if you look at Japan, Japan has 1.4 children for every couple. Their population is shrinking really quickly. And so they don't have an internal consumption. They're trying to sell to the rest of the world, but the rest of the world is also shrinking. And the answer in all of this, if you follow Keynesian economics, is to just print money, to print your way out of it. Now, there's a little bit more that fine-tuning that they give to that concept. But at the end of the day, it comes to borrow and print and spend your way out of slowing times. But if the demographics are against you, what you need to do is deleverage your economy. Deleverage the debt that was wrongly placed in the boom. Get it out of there. Let the people that bought that debt get hurt. Get it readjusted so an economy does not carry forward malinvestment. Malinvestment must shake out. We have not allowed malinvestment to shake out. And what that means to you is you're going to see some changes in your portfolio. We'll talk about it later but in this decade the disruption to your portfolio boomers is not over because we have not overcome these organic forces in the economy and you need to be on the alert to it in these very critical years where you do not have time to make one more mistake you want to learn what to do about it right off let's just say call 888-882-5578 get my free report inflation or deflation america's monetary system in crisis and how to plan for it those are the forces at play we're talking about today and you will also get a copy of Harry Dent's uh, report, which is called Eight Ways for Businesses to Beat the Winter Season of the Economy. 
And uh, the operator will also ask if you want to be contacted. We'll get you a special discount on the upcoming Irrational Economic Summit in La Jolla. Harry Dent is hosting from November 6th to the 8th. Okay, we're going to move to uh, just a cursory look with Harry Dent on what's causing all of this. He starts a little political. I hate dragging Harry into political causes because I really like him to talk about the organic causes. But let's start out with this clip. And by the end of the show, we're going to go deep into the China bubble and it will blow your mind. Now, I had just played the Dylan Radigan clip for Harry, so he's just heard it. Pretty pissed, isn't he? Yeah, and he <laughs> should be. You know? Yeah, so here's what I want to ask you. Um, Harry, what are we really seeing to come to play here economically that is driving the political chaos? I mean, the political chaos is a bunch of goofballs that don't understand economics, that are trying to run around and solve by group decision how to fix things. But... Tell us a little bit about what economically, what is finally scratching the surface here and and bubbling up through fantasy world into reality that we just haven't dealt with, that we're finally experiencing the chaos from? Well, you know, I mean, first of all, the Republicans, especially the Tea Party side, which is the core of the party now, about 30% of the country, I mean, they are, they're, they're just digging in saying, look, we just have more and more debt, and, and then there's more debt to solve that debt. We just can't stand it anymore, and they are willing to hold the economy uh, hostage to, to, to do anything to get concessions where we have to cut spending and, uh, and, and, and reduce this debt. Now, they're not willing to raise taxes as the more uh, liberal factions would recommend, but, but that's their side. And, and they're just, people say, oh, you're irrational, you're, you're, you're going to hold the economy for hostage, that's not fair, but they're like, hey, this is a do-or-die issue from their point of view. And you know what? With the Republicans, I agree with them on that. I don't agree with the Republicans on a lot of things, especially social issues, uh, mm-hmm. but on this debt thing, it's true. we got a debt bubble out of control, and the, and the solution is to add more debt, add more QE, and QE, quantitative easing, is, ju- is creating money out of thin air to inject an economy, just like, you know, uh, rising debt from consumers or corporations or the government. It's all stimulus, it's all artificial, and, and it's only going to, like, it is like a drug addict taking more and more to keep from coming down from the high. So, that, I mean, and that's why I'm equally uh, critical of the liberal side, uh, actually, and, and maybe even more so, because they're just like, well, yeah, but we can't afford this bubble to burst, and we can't afford it to hurt the average person. Look, the average person is already sucking wind. QE is, is keeping a banking crisis from coming, which would make the economy and jobs worth, uh, uh, worse short term. Mm-hmm. But it's not giving these people relief. All the gains are going to the top 1% to 10% to 20% that own almost all the stocks and financial assets that have low unemployment with college degrees. They're not feeling this downturn like like eighty uh, percent of people are, and that's what surveys show. Eighty percent of people in surveys show say we never got out of this great recession, and then and then twenty percent say no, life's better than ever because you know the Fed's goose economy made our stocks go up, and we never got unemployed, and our house probably didn't go underwater, and we didn't get kicked out of our house back to a trailer or whatever, you know. So that's 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 why we're so polarized. Okay, you're listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. We are on KBTA. News Talk 1590 every Sunday morning from 8 to 9 a.m. If you haven't tuned in, uh, we've had a lot of great callers, uh, people that have responded to our free offers. We are offering a great report today. If you call into 888-882-5578, we'll help you understand these two forces at play, which I'm going to talk further in a minute here. But the report is called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. Because... You get that by calling the number. Just leave the operator your information, and you'll get a great report from Harry Dent. Here's the thing. 
you have in demographics, let's say your population is growing and your consumer base is going to grow. That would be a natural boom, as did occur with the baby boomers. In the 1980s, when we all finally started to get productive and bought homes, the first thing that really is is an accelerator is the fact that this whole demographic which is a massive increase in the birth rate is ready to make major purchases the second thing is they now have access to credit when you add credit and credit access to consumption it is a great multiplier now that's basically good for an economy however you can get things that get out of control and then cause the business cycle of all of that to become extra powered and eventually perverted and malinvested and it has to shake out. For example, let's say you overdo credit. Let's say that credit is available to everybody no matter what. Well, you know, you've got enough of a charge already going in there by the new consumers and the new boom of consumers. But when you overdo the credit, then you really cause this sort of risk of you know, how many people can buy how much stuff, which booms the economy. But at some point when that retracts, people are going to get hurt. Now that's called leveraging in when you, when you give those people debt, Hey, if you own the debt, you know, they're going to pay it. You're going to do great. If you invest into the booms that are being created by the leveraging of that debt, you can do very well, but sometimes the wheels turn. Now, There's a school of economics called the Austrian School of Economics, and their viewpoint is, good, that's the business cycle. And we live, and the best way to manage that is let the people who get caught in the downturn get hurt. Well, from an investment viewpoint, that makes a lot of sense. We should let investors who malinvested get hurt. The problem is how many innocent people who are hired by those malinvestors who count on or who have their pensions built up and are counting on the investors to do well. Well, those poor people who who didn't even know this was in their pension get killed by the crash in the markets when when that boom fails and the people that need their jobs get killed because they lose their jobs. And I don't want those people to get hurt. Keynesian economics says the way to overcome the business cycle is that the government should go out and spend. It should replace the consumer and the government becomes the spender of last resort. And after a while, we'll pick back up, you know, uh, what they believe is confidence and, and this is another factor we're going to talk about with Harry for a minute, confidence versus demographics. But Keynesian believes that the economy runs on confidence. And if you just keep the wheels greased enough, confidence returns, people pick back up. Then we'll have a booming economy, which will have surpluses, and we pay the debt back. So do we pay the debt back? Does this work? And by the way, how long do you keep greasing? What if you've put... $2 trillion, $3 trillion of borrowed money into the economy, and it doesn't come back to life. Could there be something else afoot, a play, outside of just confidence? So listen, it boils down to the gravity in the economy is a deflationary gravity. And the, and the, the, the drama, the passion play you are seeing played out today, whether it was what we just went through in Congress, whether it's whether the Fed should print money, is whether the deflationary forces of a contracting, organic contraction in the economy are greater than the central banks can print money. Those that believe that the central banks have unlimited ability to print money forever will be inflationists and believe that they're going to water our dollar down to nothing. 
But there is another school which says, sorry, the pit we dug, $20 trillion of increased debt in the United States in the last decade before the crash, which has not washed out, is such a gravity and a deep and, and our shrinking demographics are such gravity. It will get away from the central banks faster one day than the central banks can print the money. Confidence will shock right out of the economy when people realize it's going the wrong way. They've printed three trillion dollars and it's going the wrong way and you have a deflationary crash. I can get you through surviving either one of those if you order the report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. You can get that by calling 888-882-5578. 888-882-5578. It's free. Okay, we're going to do some events on it. We're going to get your email, your contact information. We'll be doing more events. But for right now, we're just getting the report out on the radio. You'll also get Harry Dent's special report called Eight Ways for Businesses to Beat the Winter Season. The winter season is what happens when deflation finally resets the economy. And if you're interested, the operator will ask you if you want a special discount to our Rational Economics Summit in La Jolla. That is with Harry Dent, is sponsor. Bunch of great speakers. Um, I can't even get into it right now. Usual eight ninety five. They are charging. We have been given a discount of two ninety five to offer that to our listeners, and um, uh, give us a call on that. Let's go back to uh, Harry Dent's interview here. Okay. Neither side can see a compromise because because the liberal party say we don't want the economy to go down. We don't want things to fail because we think that'll hurt everyday people and the banks and, and businesses even more. But but I'm like, look, there's natural cycles. And we had a great bubble, a debt bubble, a financial asset bubble, everything we've seen in the past, once in a lifetime, back in the Roaring Twenties peak and back in the early 1870s and many before that. You get these bubbles fueled by debt, which causes financial assets to go up and companies and consumers and governments to get too much in debt, and you have to wash out that debt. I mean, I'm sorry, it's just the way it is. And, and I'm, I'm the same way. I'm like, I go on CNBC and I say, look, we're going to have a great crash probably in 2014 to 15 and continuing off and on into 2019 or 20, and we're going to wash out this debt like we did in the Great Depression. And it's going to be painful, but it's going to lower the cost of real estate to the young generation come along, lower borrowing to them, get debt deleveraged, especially in the private sector, where we have three times as much debt in the government sector. We, got, we went up to $42 trillion in debt in the private sector and went from $20 trillion to $42 trillion, most of that just from 2000 to 2008 under a Republican administration and Congress. So, so yeah, I'm just as – I mean, the, the, the Republicans preach – uh, fiscal responsibility, yet they allowed the greatest debt bubble and the greatest rise in entitlements, especially Medicare and Medicaid, in history from 2000 to 2008. So, so, so everybody's guilty here. The banks uh, overextended credit, which increases their profits. They lowered their lending standards, encouraged by the government who said, look, look you know, everybody should own a home, and, and we're going to create Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac to make this more feasible and lower the interest rates with our implicit backing. We're going to keep pushing interest rates lower than they should be so it makes it easier for the economy to grow and businesses and especially for people to borrow in mortgages. But, but that also makes it easier for investment funds and hedge funds and investment banks to speculate at 30 to 50 times leverage, and then that creates these bubbles, and then they burst. So here's the big thing, Bruce, and, and, and the liberals are on the 
Keynesian side, where we're, okay, governments should stimulate the economy and run deficits to offset the private sector in downturn. Well, even Keynes, John Maynard Keynes, when he came up with this theory in the 1930s, and it only really got adopted widely when, when Nixon said we're all Keynesians now in the early 70s to fight the recessions and inflation versus you're supposed to run surpluses in the booms from your rising tax revenues and falling social expenses to be able to afford that, those deficits and the downturns. We've been running trade deficits constantly since the early 1970s. We've been running budget deficits, which are even much larger, constantly, except for the late 90s and early 2000s when the economy was so good, so good and we predicted that. We predicted that mm-hmm. budget surplus back in the great boom ahead in 1992. We meaning H.S. Dent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, my book, The Great Boom Ahead. We, I said we're going to have the greatest boom in history in the 90s, just when everybody thought it was going to crash, and we will have a budget surplus from 1998 to 2000, approximately, and, and it actually occurred from 1998 to 2001. So we were very close. We weren't predicting that, that Bill Clinton or governments were going to cut expenses and get fiscally responsible. They raised taxes a little bit. We were just predicting the economy was going to be so good that tax revenues would rise, inflation would fall, interest payments would fall, and the government would naturally fall into a surplus. That's the only surplus we've seen since the early 1970s. We're running constant debt in bad times and good times. Again, it might have been fine to run some deficits in the 1970s and, of course, in the 1930s, but we ran the biggest deficits in history in the 80s, 90s, and 2000s and ran up the greatest debt bubble in history, and now it needs to deleverage if we're going to move into the future and, and lift this debt burden off us. We need financial assets, stocks, real estate, commodities, everything to come back down to affordable levels for the next generation. And the government's just saying no, uh, and led more by the liberal sectors. Oh, no, we're not going to let this happen. We, we won't have recessions anymore. We'll, we'll just, every time the economy goes down or stocks go down, we'll just put another trillion dollars or two trillion dollars in the economy and pump it back up. This is the stupidest damn thing I've ever seen in all of history, and it's not going to end well, and it's not going to go down. We're going to look back a couple decades from now and say, what the hell were we smoking? So look, baby boomers, people born from 1946 to 1964, what is is the problem here? The first problem is whether you're even having a conversation with your financial advisor that looks at the times that we are in or whether you're being given that little pie chart base. You know, here's here's my objection to the financial planning field. I greatly object to. They make a statement. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Then they have you fill out a little risk chart. And based on past history, based on what has happened over the last several decades, They give you a pie chart of, quote, how to diversify what you're doing. I'm going to tell you in this report called, by the way, this is Straight Talk Wealth Radio. (laughs) I have to reset once in a while. It's Bruce Whitey. I am your host every Sunday morning here on KVTA uh, News Talk 1590. Um, So come back again next week. Uh, So the point is that you, you have this pie chart. And it's based on past history. What you'll see in the report that we are offering today is I submit there's two, there's really, in a sense, and I'm being very basic about this, two, two asset classes, just two, inflationary assets and deflationary assets. Now, if I ask most of you, what should you invest in if we have hyperinflation and the Fed just is going to print $10 trillion now, what should you be investing in? And you know what everybody's going to tell me? Go get gold. Go get metals. Go get something because we're going to have hyperinflation. Get real estate. Good choice. That is accurate if we have hyperinflation. But 
ask yourself this question right now. If we have deflation, if we have a sudden loss of, of confidence in the economy and the market crashes, just like 2008, go back to 2008. That was a deflationary crash. What should you have invested in to prepare for 2008? What should you be in? Now, one, if you haven't had this conversation with your advisor, you're missing the two most important asset classes. And if you bet on the wrong asset class, all your plans will be for naught. You better be prepared on which way we're going to go. Or you get my report by calling 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578 for my free report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It. Because in that, I give you an actual solution. Listen, we we have a financial planning practice we've had in Southern California for, I don't know, I guess we're going on 15 years or so. And this was my worry. The things that keep you up at night, keep me up at night, maybe even more so because I'm so immersed in it. And when I had to work these problems out for myself and for my clients, I thought it was worth writing this up and publishing it. And the report is written so a high school sophomore can get through it. It's chock full of illustrations. And we're going to be doing much more in the Ventura area on doing workshops on this for no charge, no obligation. But the report's a good entree onto it. We thought about this long and hard. The answers are in this report. I'm not just giving you a bunch of sales hype on it. Uh, I want to get your feedback when you've read it. Numbers 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. I want to go back to Harry Dent now, and I want to dis- I want to look at what really propels an economy. Why is it confidence? Is that just what's missing today? Is just confidence, or are there other forces to this engine that are causing things to occur? I think we've gotten to a point where the general public is so confused about the causal factors. They see the news. They see the repercussions. And for a while, their attention is, oh, the Federal Reserve seems to be doing things. And it might be good. It might be bad. I guess the Federal Reserve makes or breaks our economy. But it looks like it's going okay. It's fine. Oh, now it's the Congress making or breaking our economy. And these are all disconnected. If somebody's not in there screwing it up, then the other guy's screwing it up. And, of course, these forces don't come together and, and, and have any real origin to them that they're both reacting to. They're just players, and I don't really get how this all comes together. So there's two areas that I want you to kind of address to help us understand how all the players are responding to the basic causal things. And and one is, let's just take this for example. Let's take the idea that the economy runs on confidence as opposed to the economy runs on demographics. Help us understand how those two things at play are bubbling into this current chaos of ideas and, and politics. Well, only in the short term does the conf- economy run on confidence or non-confidence. It doesn't correlate that well. Uh, longer term. Demographics, when people are earning and spending more money, raising their families in the prime of their life cycle, and when you do that in a whole generation, especially as large as the baby boom, you're going to have a boom. We would have had a boom from 1983 to 2007 with no government stimulus. Um, and then technological innovation comes when, when the generation's young, like in the 60s and 70s, and then moves into the mainstream as they become consumers and adopt those very innovations mainstream. It, it, the long term has nothing to do with, with short-term government reactions and stimulus plans and, and debt ceiling debates and stuff. But in the short term, like right now, you know, the debt ceiling debate 
is going to affect the economy a little bit and affect the stock markets a little because bit. Because it's not going to affect it much more than that. This, this will be over within the next two to three weeks probably. Because, of the, yeah, and that's the whole thing is like, you know, what, what you hear on the radio and the TV is if we just get through this, the confidence will return. So there's this idea that's pretty indoctrinated in, in the general public that the only thing that really ever beat us up is confidence. So explain how does demographics drive uh, past this factor of confidence? Why is demographics a more senior causal agent? Yeah, well, I mean, first of all, people are the most confident economy just before you have a major crash, like 2000, <laughs> 2002, or 1929, 33, or 2008 to 9. Confidence means nothing. It's a short-term reaction by consumers and businesses, and it's and governments react short-term as well. If the economy's overheating, they tighten. If it's overexpand, uh, I mean, or, or if it's collapsing, they, they, they stimulate. Mm-hmm. That's all short-term reactions. That is not generating the cycle. It is a new generation entering the workforce at age 20, getting married at 26, buying homes, their first homes at 31, uh, buying their biggest homes at age 41, buying the most furnishings for those homes, and tires on their cars at age 46, and buying the most cars at 53. Those are the things that drive the economy. People can say they're confident or not, but when you have a kid or when you need to buy a home, you buy a damn home. That's all demographics. Yeah. You're listening to Straight Talk Wealth Radio. I'm your host, Bruce Whitey. I'm News Talk 1590 KVTA. So the the thing that I'm, I just think you, you have to understand is, is that what the chaos you saw in Congress currently is the battle between Austrian economics and Keynesian economics. It is the battle between deflationary contracting economy and those that feel that the economy should never have to take a hit. There is a theory, an economic theory out there that, yes, we may have a business cycle. Yes, there could be malinvestment. Yes, sometimes things grow and then they need to contract because they're overgrown. But no one should feel that pain. Therefore, governments today can now overcome that cycle and keep us in a utopia, an economic utopia. Those are the forces that are at play. How do they do that? They borrow money to make up for the contraction of the economy so we never feel it. Listen, my friends, you heard Harry Dent say earlier, we went from $20 trillion in 02 to 08. We went to $42 trillion. That's in the private sector. That was the banking sector that Dylan Radigan earlier was saying is extracting from us. They mal-lent. It was massive, $20 trillion. And Harry always says that bubbles always return. Looking at history, his statement is categorically, they always return to where they began. That means $20 trillion of shakeout, of busted debt that needs to shake out. That causes a deflationary depression. If you're of the Austrian school, you say, let's get it over with. Because on the good side of that, and Harry's going to talk a little bit more about this, I believe. The good side of it is that prices reduce. We're going to talk at length. Yes, private prices reduce. The economy resets and it begins to become springtime again with new shoots because you don't have the weight of all the bad debt. When you apply these Keynesian economics, you're not getting rid of bad debt. You're trying to inflate out of it. And if the gravity is too much, which we purport today is happening, then what it means to you is that we are not out of the woods, that the chaos that we've had in the last 10 years where the markets have grown and contracted, grown and contracted, those forces are still at play. And that is my foremost concern when we consult our clients 
at Straight Talk Wealth Radio. And our financial office is called Tax-Free Benefit Specialists and Insurance Services. And we've been in the Southern California area for about good 13 to 15 years, somewhere there. I lost track. <laughs> we've been doing this for a while. But the point is, we're very, very concerned about these elements. Now, if you want to know what we're doing for our clients and how we're advising them, we've written it all up in a report called Inflation or deflation, America's monetary system in crisis, and how to plan for it. And in this report, I give you a strategy to manage both concerns simultaneously. The report looks at what is the difference between inflation and deflationary scenarios, who are the winners and losers in each of those, what will be the triggers, specific triggers we're looking for for the next crash, and how do you manage both concerns, inflation and deflation, in a single portfolio. You get that by calling 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. You will also receive Harry Dent's report called Eight Ways for Businesses to Beat the Winter Season of the Economy. The winter season is when that deflation shakes out, and out the other side of it, you get spring if the winter has been allowed to come. Our federal government is not allowing winter to come. It's fighting it tooth and nail. And that's just the underlying organic cause of the chaos you've seen this last month that played out in Congress. And it's going to play out again in January and February because it's a temporary fix because they don't understand these forces. Um, we'll also get you a special discount if you're interested to Harry Dent's in La Jolla is doing a irrational economic summit from November 6th to the 8th in La Jolla. It is uh, per, it is uh, list price $8.95 to the public. We have a special discount for $295 for that if you want to go with us. So uh, you get all of that by calling 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. Okay, now, unfortunately, right but the next day after I did this interview with Harry, I actually got his October forecast bulletin in it. And boy, did I miss the story when I was talking to him. So I'm going to read you a little bit from the forecast and tell you the forecast this month is called Bubble Trouble in China. And Harry really, really did some great in-depth research on this, really lays it out. I'm going to try to read you some excerpts uh, in a limited amount of time here. Pretty much every American now knows what a real estate crash in a big country feels like. Well, if you want to be seriously unnerved, Forget about what happened here in 2008 and 2009. Think bigger. Think China. A series of global economic cycles are about to converge on the world's second largest economy, which at the same time is inflating what has probably become the largest real estate bubble in history. Anyone seeking the likely trigger to the next great global financial crisis should look no further. While an unexpected blow-up in Spain and or Southern Europe will contribute, a massive and inevitable bubble burst in China will ultimately be the driving force behind the next great meltdown. Next session says, section says what it means to you. Before we get into why the Chinese bubble will burst, let's talk a little bit about what it means to you as an investor, entrepreneur, business person, or someone keeping an eye on their 401k. That's really what's most important, right? The biggest consequence of faltering emerging markets and an exploding China bubble is that U.S. interest rates would continue to surge and our already fragile economic recovery would disappear in a puff of smoke. And you might ask, what have U.S. interest rates got to do with Chinese real estate bubble and problems in some of its fellow emerging markets? 
Well, for years, countries like the United States would run trade deficits with countries like China, which would then buy U.S. Treasury bonds to balance out that trade deficit. But in other words, they're buying our bonds so we have money to buy their stuff. But now, as emerging market economies slow down and reduce their foreign currency reserves, that trend is coming to an end. China's reserve growth peaked at 51% in 2005, but fell to near zero in mid-2012. If China is holding fewer dollars, that means it is buying fewer U.S. bonds. There is no question that foreign reserves are declining in China and in other emerging markets, and that means less demand for U.S. Treasury bonds. Either our Federal Reserve buys even more of its bonds to offset that or interest rates tend to rise. The truth is, the Fed's looking at tapering its bond buying in the coming months, tapering it down. So interest rates are likely to keep rising once we get over the debt ceiling debate. It's simple supply and demand. With fewer bond buyers, bond prices fall and interest rates rise, which in turn leads to reduced business and consumer spending, increasing layoffs, and a slowdown of the overall U.S. economy. Therein lies much of the danger. Rising interest rates will also affect our housing market, and almost everyone has a stake in that sector. Now, he goes on to draw the connection between the Chinese economy and how it affects us. I'm going to cut that short. Let me tell you what the actual situation is in the Chinese real estate bubble here. Again, reading from Harry Dent's October forecast. It is natural for emerging countries to make major infrastructure investments to encourage urbanization. This is the greatest single lever for increasing gross domestic product per capita, as my research has shown. But governments will always overdo it, as proven by Southeast Asia in 1997 and by Japan in 1989. China has now pursued this emerging country strategy for twice as long and at twice the intensity of its failed counterparts. China also overbuilt infrastructures and shifted people from rural to urban areas on a scale never seen before in history. So that brings me to the most important topic of this time and possibly this century, China's unprecedented real estate bubble. Home prices in Shenzhen, Shenzhen, China's largest coastal industrial city, are 35 times income. Can you imagine making $50,000 a year, yet having to pay $1.75 million for a condo? And the rest of China is not much better. Beijing is at 30 times. Shanghai and Guangzhou are 28 times and Hong Kong is at 17, Singapore's at 26, Mumbai is at 19, and London, now the most expensive city of the developed countries, is 15 times income. House in London, 15 times income. In Shenzhen, it's 35 times income. But it gets worse. China's real estate bubble is far larger than any other emerging or developed country. In a country where 88.7% of non-financial assets are investment real estate and business net worth, it's clear the Chinese don't invest in stocks and bonds like we do. They love real estate. China's now trying to throttle down, but it has a shadow banking system on and on. Anyway, the point is the major part of wealth in that country, the most major people hold their wealth in real estate, and that bubble is about to burst. And when it does, you're going to see a serious downturn in an engine that we absolutely depend on.
I got one more minute I can spend on this. Uh, he also writes, China is poised for a massive reversal of its nearly three-decade-long urbanization plan. Oh, it's just obscene how many people they're going to move from the country to the urban areas. These people are uneducated. They don't have skilled jobs. They're pulling them off the land in order to create a consumer society. But the underpinnings are so weak that when these people suddenly realize they can't feed themselves and their land's been taken away, just imagine the chaos that could break loose in that country. And again, you know, look, I'm not trying to be a monger about it. But you know what? If you think the madness in Congress this week busted the social veneer, I'm being very mild about the social veneer. Get the stats for yourself. Anyway, uh, he's just saying, let's see, uh, in real estate in Shanghai has appreciated 586% or 6.86 times since 1999. During our bubble here in the U.S., real estate appreciated 2.1 times. All right. Anyway, listen, I'm going to go back to the final clip with harry we're going to talk about triggers we're going to talk about the china bubble with harry and then i'm going to wrap this up to say what it means to you and what you should be doing about it straight talk wealth radio on news talk 1590 kvta hey harry um a lot of people talk and ask about triggers how damaged have we maybe already become as a result of this most recent brings brinkmanship and how might this further play out into tripping the next trigger and the next trigger well, I mean, first of all, this debt ceiling debate and budget debate between the Republicans and Democrats, that's short term. It, it's, it's small stuff. And, and we may cut a little bit of uh, delay Obamacare. We may, the Republicans may get some minor concessions in spending. That's not the problem. We're going to have the next crisis because the, Ch- the great China bubble in real estate, the greatest bubble I have ever seen anywhere for any country across the board in hundreds of years of studying bubble is China. U.S. had a, a real estate and debt bubble, nothing compared to China. Spain had the net, uh, a big bubble, and now Canada, and many other countries. But China, China's government has just pushed a mass. I mean, we're talking half a billion people over two or three decades shoved from rural areas to urban areas with no skills. And when the economy slows down and China's exports continue to slow down, and they're already slowing, um, this is going to be a disaster. And when China goes down, China is the second largest economy in the world and the only really fast-growing place in the world. China has helped keep the economy up, just like the U.S. The U.S. was the China from 1914, World War I, through the Roaring Twenties. World War I opened a vacuum for us to export massively uh, agriculture mm-hmm. and industrial goods to Europe while they're fighting the war. And then we became this exporting giant and this foreign exchange um, you know, reserve and, 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 and exporting credit throughout the world economy. And then when that collapsed in the early 30s with our collapse, then the whole world went down. China is the trade supporter of the world, exporting massively, extending credit to all countries, including the United States, $1.3 trillion in reserves they have of us. They've, they've extended us $1.3 trillion in credit in many other countries. When China goes down, the world goes down like the 1930s. That's my scenario, that China is the most important thing that's going to collapse. The real estate bubble is three times the bubble we had in the United States. It's off the charts. It's bigger than any emerging country bubble. China goes down. The world goes down. It just takes, like you said, it just takes a trigger. We're all we, demographic trends are slowing, especially in the developed world. Mm-hmm. Debt is two times plus more than it was um, in, in the nineteen twenty nine bubble. All it takes is a trigger, like the subprime crisis in the U.S. And you know what? Bruce, that was four states, California, Nevada, Arizona, Florida, sank the world. You can't sink the world with four states having a subprime crisis unless the whole world 
is ready to be triggered because of excessive debt and slowing demographic trends. Listen, friends, making babies is a good thing. More babies means a growing generation coming into a Western civilization. It causes booms. When that birth rate slows and those people age, it slows an economy down. That is demographics growing and contracting economy. When an economy contracts, it is a deflationary situation and can be managed if you understand the causes at play. And if you mismanage it, you will keep trying to reinflate those bubbles that actually need to wash. That is your battle between Keynesian economics and Austrian economics. And so what you then have is a battle between spend more money to get us out of this or to go into austerity. Austerity hurts now. Austerity says, let's bring on the pain, baby, because we'll get through it. Keynesian economics says, no, let's put it off. Let's put it off. And it is the great experiment of the 21st century to see if we can put it off forever. What I'm telling you is, I'm asking you, do you have these conversations with your financial advisor? Have you sat down and really assessed it? Or did you just get a diversified pie chart of one mutual fund in stocks, one in bonds, one's in international, and everything that that is built on is based on the history of the world so far. I will contend we're going into a period of history that we have not experienced before in our generation. And it's time for you to get prepared and at least educate yourself on how things will be different. Get my free report called Inflation or Deflation, America's Monetary System in Crisis and How to Plan for It by calling 888-882-5578, 888-882-5578. That's 888-8-TALK-STRAIGHT. We will also give you Harry Dent's report called Eight Ways for Businesses to Beat the Winter Season. And you'll get a special discount if you want to go with us to the Irrational Economic Summit in La Jolla, November 6th through the 9th. You're going to save about 600 bucks on that. Again, the number is 888-882-5578. 888 Bunch of more great shows. We'll do one soon on this Japan demographic clip. See you next week.